Let me remind everyone about HankStrange.com. Go over there, sign up for our email list. Good way to keep in touch with us. Good way for us to keep in touch with you. Um, lots of things. If you want to know like what channels I'm on, uh, all that kind of stuff. You want to get some swag on there. All that stuff is up there. We're selling patches right now. And if you get a patch or two, we'll be sending you some stickers uh, along with that. This is like the new grenade sticker. Um, that we just released, which is basically my logo blowing up grenades. So <laughs> we've got that out there. So go to HankStrange.com um, and, and check that out here. Now I'm going to load everyone up. A big shout out to Franklin Armory. I want to thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Those are our sponsors tonight. And I'm going to hit the open button and we are going to get into this right now. Welcome back. For the Hank Strange situation. Bam! All right, we're here. Smash the subscribe button. Smash the thumbs ups. Ring the bell so you can be notified every time we go live. All right, we've got a new guest, Shannon, right there in the middle. She's our new guest. You might not know about this, Shannon, but every night we do this thing called Jazz Hands. It goes like this. We make even the toughest tough guys do it. Let's see. Let's see. Hold on a second. I'm going to show everyone because you got the beautiful Christmas tree and the fire and everything going in the background. Shannon's doing jazz hands. There we go. Uh, we also have Sean Curtis, writer Sean Curtis of Ludus Integratus. I don't know if I said it properly that time. I hope I did. Right? Integritas. That's close. Integritas. Okay. Ludus Integritas. Okay. We're going to have to, when, whenever you're on, we don't actually get all the way into talking about what you do, but we're going to do that. And Shannon is from a Red Frog team, right? Yeah. And, and, yes. and I'm sure the folks out there will be like, uh, okay. What's that? <laughs> yeah, because I, yeah, I mean, I, and I met you, I think, when we were in um, New Mexico. I don't know. Yeah. That seems like two years ago. Forever ago, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. And also, by the way, Sean was there. Yep. Yeah. We were all hanging out. We all did the Lucid, Lucid Optics uh, Ballistics Summit. So that's what's yeah. going on here tonight, folks. Yeah. You know, um, so, t so tell us quickly what's, uh, if you can, like who you are. And what is Red Frog Team and what do you do there? Awesome. I'm Shannon Monahan, CEO and owner of a women-owned small business out of Portland, Oregon. I started about seven years ago, uh, centric to taking what the military and government has spent millions on in training and applying it to civilian application. So we kicked off our company with the idea we would respond um, with uh, threat assessments and uh, risk and vulnerability assessments for active shooter response for schools and churches and so forth. And we kind of transitioned into just a tactical brand that you know does everything from tactical gear, patches, shirts, and all that and um, kind of being out there for camaraderie on the range. From that, everyone wanted tactical training. We were kind of getting kind of busy and hot in Instagram and in Oregon. We don't have a lot and based out of Portland, Oregon, we don't have a lot of tactical training companies and people were seeing what we were doing, kind of running and gunning with a lot of the special forces guys leading the way and um, ended up evolving into a tactical training company for civilians, law enforcement, military, mostly civilians. Uh, there was a, a, a need in the Oregon area for this kind of tactical 
training for ARs, pistols, you know, and uh, a little bit of, we dabbled in long range, but mostly uh, concealed carry, drawing from a holster, kind of taking what the other companies stopped at and going to the next level. So teaching civilians how to safely draw from a holster. You know, everyone runs out and gets their CHL and then never quite um, continues on with their training. Mm-hmm. And that's just a PowerPoint. So anyway, yeah. we did that for years. And now, because of COVID and all the lockdown in Oregon, I transitioned a little bit more and gone centric to bringing information and concierging uh, tactical training to women specifically. Okay. Women, we tend to draw in all these hardcore dudes that want the tactical. And I've been fortunate to be in the trenches of all that kind of training. And I'm I'm a petite woman. I'm a, uh, you know, it's not like I'm a badass, but I've been kind of running and gunning and playing with the guys. And I really want to share that information and knowledge and empower and educate the true soft targets out there, which are the women who don't want to come out and run and gun tactically. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I really want to be that voice and that um, uh, uh, demystifying tactical training for the kind of the not so typical audience of tactical, which is women who are now engaging, especially in Oregon, with the purchase of pistols and rifles for the first time ever. And so that's kind of where Red Frog women evolved and came out of this last year. Oh, okay. So there's red, regular Red Frog, frog regular excuse red me. Frog. Yeah, and yeah. then there's Red and Frog red women. Frog women. Yeah. Okay, yeah. all right, very cool. Um, and and I, I don't I can't remember if I said this or not, but we we were there at the summit, but you guys, you and Sean didn't actually get uh, a chance to uh, interface, should we say interface? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But so let's get Sean to do this also, since we like it's always crazy when you come on. So hopefully today doesn't get too crazy. I did a lot of crazy over on the main channel, but I'm sure people might want to talk about that a little bit and we'll do it. But tell us, Sean, what do you do is kind of like an introduction as well to Shannon. I, I know you guys are talking a little bit before we started. Sure. Uh, I have 22 years in law enforcement. Um, about 15 of that was on the road in uh, a small sheriff's office in southwest Colorado and uh, figured out that it was a beautiful place to starve to death before finally moving to the front range uh, to make a little more money at a DA's office where I'm now an investigator. Uh, The cool thing about that is it allows me to work Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, but I'm still in law enforcement. Mm -hmm. I have weekends off. I have a family that gets to see me regularly. I'm not on call anymore. I'm not being shot at anymore. And um, I get weekends and holidays off. So it's a really good deal all the way around. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I have my weekends and my uh, holidays off, I'm able to pick up extra work. And I started writing for Police One probably seven years ago. And um, I've probably got over a couple hundred articles there now. That led to other opportunities. And I've been writing for Pew Pew Tactical, um, Guns.com. I wrote for uh, Gun World magazine for a little while before they finally went under. And then I still write for American Survival Guide, which is a a print magazine. Um, Just yesterday, the Glock Annual came out. I'm sure you guys have seen that. Uh, I've written for them. This is my second year writing for them also. And um, more recently, I began doing YouTube videos for ARFCOM. Uh, okay. So um, I'm kind of 
spread out all over the place a little bit. Yeah, you're doing a lot of stuff, doing a lot of a stuff, lot which, of which is a good thing. So, um, you know, we could jump anywhere in this conversation. I would like to know what the folks out there want to talk about, but specifically what you guys want to talk about, too. I already see people asking this, Sean, so I'm going to go to this. Shannon, feel free to jump in if you, got, you know, let us know what you think about it. Anytime I have uh, either police officers former police officers. We had an ATF guy on a couple weeks ago, and I've actually been putting up those snippets on my main channel. They've kind of gone crazy. Uh, someone always asks questions in this realm. Matt Morrison wants to know, how do you feel about all the oath breakers in New York City? So this is always a thing that we have, right? Like a, a thing that comes up here when we're talking to law enforcement that people think, you know, these are the same guys who are going to come after me and take my gun. So I'm sure you've seen this already, Sean. Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly familiar with the topic. I don't know that I'm specifically aware of the context of what's going on in New York, but uh, Matt, if you could provide some more, um, yeah, if you could elucidate perhaps. Yeah, I mean, uh, the only thing, I don't know what specifically is going on in New York City. I mean, other than the fact it's New York City and they're very ungun friendly, <laughs> very un-2A friendly, I should say. They don't really believe in the Second Amendment. They don't really allow people to easily defend themselves over there or get into any of this kind of stuff. Um, right. So there's that part. And I think recently New York City has been releasing a lot of their uh, the, the folks they have locked up for gun crimes, which is interesting. Uh, so I just saw an article recently uh, from, I want to say it was either Orange County or L.A., where the uh, sheriff uh, who runs the jail, of course, was talking about a judge's order to release more prisoners. Now, they had already released like 1,500, and these were lower-level offenders. Mm -hmm. But the additional, I think, 800 or so prisoners that the judge was ordering them to release were felons. Uh, and we're talking uh, rapists, murderers, child molesters, mm -hmm. the whole gamut. Mm -hmm. All uh, the people sheriff, we don't want out right. on the streets. The sheriff said yeah. no. Um, I understand that uh, you want to prevent more of this COVID issue from becoming centralized within our jail, but uh, we feel like we have an, a higher obligation to protect the public who are not either accused of or convicted of uh, crimes. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he was he was appealing the order uh, mm -hmm. the last I saw of it. But law enforcement has faced some extreme challenges in 2020, and. Uh, it's not getting any easier. Yeah, yeah, uh, and we're all, and I'm still waiting for uh, Matt if he wants to like talk about specifically. Um, Shannon, what what do you think? I think uh, it's horrifying what's happening, and I think like New York, Portland is is literally the epicenter of that same kind of movement of not supporting uh, what we would see as our traditional law enforcement. Um, situation where we're, we are, our streets are walking around with zombies right now in Portland, Oregon. Mm -hmm. We ran through hundreds of nights. Uh, well, it's going on, you know, in, insane months <laughs> over and over of rioting with with no with no end to it, and uh, it's kind of horrifying. Um, the police in Multnomah County don't have the support. And uh, the counties that are strong, like Clackamas County, are not willing to step in and, you know, back Cape Brown. And it's 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 continuing and it's horrifying. And um, I, I don't see any end in sight, at least in the Portland area. Yeah, um, it's I don't know how to put it. I don't. Portland's probably in a worse position even than New York City. And I'm not trying to say New York City is awesome either. 
but it's small. They can mm-hmm. they can really get a foothold here, and I feel like um, that they ha- have the support of kind of the culture of the community of people that live around Portland. I would mm-hmm. say people outside of Portland in the different counties, Clackamas being a very strong where I'm from, mm-hmm. um, more conservative county. Um, they have the support of these neighborhoods. I, I think people just kind of you know, don't want to look at the negative and literally you have to drive downtown and film it like I do every month, once mm-hmm. a month at, uh, at 11 o'clock on a Tuesday, just to be like, folks, is this really our goal? Is this what our goal is? I've lived here 52 years in Portland, Oregon, and I, I've never seen anything like it. And I fear it's it, they, because Portland is small and they can get a foothold in the Portland uh, area, the city of Portland, mm-hmm. I feel like it's here to stay for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. I th- okay. Matt Morrison came back in here. I don't know if you see that, Sean. He says some officers ordered food at a restaurant, and then they turn around and shut the place down and said it's the law, although no laws have been passed. Just following orders, maybe this is just one example. Well, right. So that's what he's, so that's going on in New York City. Obviously, New York City's going back into shutdown, right? Um, there's lots of places around the country going back into shutdown mode. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I, without more details, that's, that's difficult to, um, delve into. I, I can tell you that, um, law enforcement is not an Island. It is part of the criminal justice system. And, uh, we don't have any teeth without the judges say so in, in many cases. Now we can take certain actions. We have limited actions up to and including deadly force given probable causes met, um, but in that scenario, uh, it, it, if a restaurant was shut down, I would have to assume that the health department was involved. And if it was shut down, then it would have to have been shut down under a health department regulation. So uh, if you're saying that... Um, I, think New York is, I think New York is shutting down because of, uh, the, of COVID shutdowns. So yeah. I'm not sure if it's necessarily the health department. I'm, I'm not in New York City, so... Yeah. You know, and obviously there are this is going on lots of places, right? We're getting like beauty salons are getting shut shut down around the country. Uh, you know, oh, you yeah. make- I, that's why I'm over here in Bend. We're shut down in Oregon. We have been and we will be till uh, January 5th, I think, or 2nd. Yeah. And then there's. Pe- shut yeah. March, you said? Uh, January 2nd, I think. January been- 2nd. Okay. And it's a little stricter now than the original shutdown. Yeah. So, you <laughs> know, know. It's worse now. Yeah. I mean, with these shutdowns, they're shutting down places where people are working out. They're doing this. They're doing, you know, they, yeah, they're doing all kinds of different things. And I think, um, and, and this is me trying to interpret what specifically Matt wants to get into here. I think what's happening is that lots of people in lots of places, including New York, are like, hey, you don't have the right to shut me down. People have the, you know, people can make this choice to come here and do stuff, but for you to come in and then shut me down as a business and then I'm out of business and the government's not doing anything that can keep, uh, especially small businesses going, right? We know obviously they kept the bigger businesses going and people who are political friends or family or whatever going, got lots of loans. But there's all these other people out there who, you know, as human beings, don't they have the right to say, yeah, I'm going to take this risk and go work out, go eat or whatever. But there's forced shutdowns. And then and the question I think that's coming from people is and this is just going to happen, Sean, if you're a police officer, people are going to go, how can you as a police officer enforce stuff? 
that's not in the Constitution. Right, right. Yeah, it, no, I, I totally accept that. I mean, I, I realized um, back in the 1990s when I started even entertaining this career that there would be a certain percentage of the population that was going to hate me um, as soon as I walked out the door with that badge and uniform on, irrespective of who I am as a person or the decisions that I've made or the actions that I've taken mm-hmm. or the values that I have. So I, I accept that. Mm-hmm. Um, 2020, those margins, I feel like, have grown. And um, while typically we have often seen more support from the right side of things where people are more accustomed to law and order mm-hmm. and uh, appreciate the value that uh, a stable society can provide, um, there's been more heat from the right side of things just based on the red flag laws. Uh, that started, that was one of the first things that came out. Um, and then almost immediately after um, the uh, Black Lives Matter movement and all of the um, aspirations of people wanting to defund the police, uh, we, we shot a huge uproar from the left. And um, law enforcement uh, was almost cataclysmically caught in the middle. Um, you have from the right also people who are very interested in free society who mm-hmm. want business to be open. They, they understand that they have, uh, you know, a part of our capitalist society to go out and, and make money to uh, support yourself, to, to live that American dream. And yet here's government coming in and um, telling them, no, we can't do that because it's too dangerous. Um, and, and there's hypocrisy. There's there's a lot of hypocrisy from, from both sides, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you can see it almost anywhere you go. And, and I say this time and time again, the law enforcement ends up picking up the check. And um, that may not be a popular view. Uh, we're kind of caught in the middle of trying to keep a law and order society without kicking people's ass, without getting too rough, um, but then also trying to enforce things that are supposed to keep us safe, according to the experts, and then um, keeping the all-holy constitution uh, clearly in mind in front of all of those things. And, and, and it is a difficult balance, um, especially this year. I have never seen it um, as difficult as it is now. And when I first started in law enforcement, uh, the Rodney King incident had just happened. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I've been exposed to um, a couple of decades, at least, of um, police interactions with society. Um, now, that was a, a nice overview of uh, pretty much everything without answering the question. So let, let me delve into that a little bit. Um, it is tough for a cop who is making... $25,000 a year who has sworn an oath to uphold the Constitution to make a decision in the street that may or may not be considered constitutional. What we are often taught in the academy is that um, here are the general set of rules that you face, and here are the things that you're supposed to do, and here are the things that we've done a thousand times. And here are the court cases that have been won or lost that uphold what you can do and what you can't do. Mm -hmm. Um, 
this is mostly new territory that we're in right now, mm-hmm. to, to my feeling. Um, there haven't been a lot of cases where we've had to deal with pandemics where the health department who has um, constitutionally often in state constitutions uh, a great deal of authority to um, deal with these types of situations. Um, and then, of course, red flag has been something that's been relatively new on the horizon, too, where we don't have a lot of constitutionally grounded yes or no. Um, there was one case that came out of back east recently where I saw, and I'm sorry, I don't have it to the top of my head, um, that a judge found that the red flag law that had been implemented was constitutional, in fact. And that's not going to be a popular opinion. But it's difficult for the cop standing there who did, yes, swear to uphold the Constitution to make a decision about something, whether that is constitutional or not. Uh, We can have a gut feeling, and I can guarantee you that a lot of officers don't want to uh, enforce some of these things. Um, Some sheriffs in particular are refusing. Mm -hmm. And that makes a lot easier for the deputies to um, follow along in that direction. Mm -hmm. Because if the the top guy is willing to say, no, you elected me, I'm the one who you put into this office, I'm not going to do that. I don't feel like it's constitutional. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'll I'll give you an example. The sheriff in my county has stated that he is troubled with red flag laws, uh, and he is very pro-Second Amendment. Um, I don't say that lightly. He is very pro-Second Amendment. However, he has stated that he feels like there are scenarios where red flag might be useful. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's difficult because a lot of folks have a 100% opinion one way or the other, and you can't have any in between. Mm -hmm. Uh, That sheriff does not feel that way. The sheriff in the next county over has said, uh, no, that's not constitutional. I'm not doing it, and you can't make me. Take me to prison. Um, so there, there's some pretty wild stances out there, and um, I'll just say that I won't express necessarily a, a personal opinion about where I stand on it, largely because I'm still an active law enforcement officer. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I am potentially held accountable for just about everything that I say, even if that's on social media, even if that's for entertainment. Mm-hmm. So um, I'll just tell you that what I can comfortably tell you <laughs> is that it is uh, one of the most challenging scenarios that we've ever faced. Um, both red flag laws and also the uh, health department orders. The other thing that I'll tell you is um, my county. Uh, was the first county to have um, a red flag law used against a police officer. And um, what ended up happening is a police officer who had shot and killed a young man, um, the the case was investigated, the uh, shooting was uh, found to be a a justified shooting, and um, the mother of the young man who was shot and killed um, put the red flag law uh, 
and enacted it and filed mm-hmm. it against the officer who shot and killed her son. Yeah, I, be, I remember this because I think I think even this kid was basically trying to commit suicide by cop. He, um, from from what we understand, he was potentially en route to uh, harm someone else, and mm-hmm. he did have a knife. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, what ended up happening is that case was dismissed because once it got to the original, uh, the first hearing, uh, the judge um, asked her to prove up her side of the case. And because she did not have a relationship with that officer, the the case was summarily dismissed. Yeah, I think she was trying to say that she had a relationship because he killed her son. Right. You know, and the thing. Yeah. Listen, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to add that Mm -hmm. the law is pretty specific in that it doesn't include an esoteric relationship like uh, the fact that we all three were at the Lucid Optics Ballistic Summit does <laughs> not obligate us to yeah. any kind of relationship, right? Yeah. Uh, they're talking about an intimate relationship, family mm-hmm. type things, and so the yeah. case was dismissed, but yeah. um, it's, uh, it, it's not easy to um, separate those duties and responsibilities that we, we've signed up for and um, uh, keep everybody happy. And we know that we're not necessarily there to keep everybody happy, but we want to try to keep everybody safe while respecting everyone's constitutional rights. And man, that's a challenge. And yeah. I've never seen it like it is right now. Yeah, I, I think it's a good answer, man. I accept it, you know, what you're saying. And I think it's tough, right? Like, first of all, I don't want to hide from that question. And, yeah. I, and I think you came straight forward and answered it. But it's one of these tough things that happens. I mean, I look, I remember... Um, I remember back when Obama was president and everyone was mad because they, they thought he was coming to take their guns, which uh, absolutely that's what he was up to. Um, and every time people saw me, they're like, yeah, man, what's up with Obama? <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, because. Magic- yeah, magically, I'm supposed to know what's up with him, even though I didn't vote for him. You know, right. I mean, I'm, I'm literally living in a county that's 99 percent white people. <laughs> You yeah. know, uh, most of them, I guess, would, would claim they're Republicans and all that kind of stuff. Right. So right. it doesn't, you know, you have to, I still had to explain somehow magically to people where I'm coming from. I'm not saying that's the same exact thing. I think that just happens to us. Like if we associate with certain things and now right now it's kind of tough. And a lot of guys in the gun world think that when the ATF wants to uh, enforce these crazy arbitrary rules that they're trying to put into effect, then it comes down to law enforcement out there, not just the ATF, other people in law enforcement. You know, folks are folks are thinking in their brain, hey, these guys are going to be coming after me. And they're, and they're probably right. You know, if they really if we really get to the point where our leaders decide to go against the Constitution, they're going to ask someone to enforce this if they actually want to do it. Right. And so it's going to come and that's up. That's going to be it, a difficult task. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to speak. I can't sit here and tell you that I speak for all law enforcement, and I can tell you that's not going to happen. Um, Each man is going to have to answer, and that's and woman and woman, Shannon. You know, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and everything in between. You're, you're yeah. going to have people who are going to have to make that decision. Okay, um, but just from the general feel of of the people that I have worked with and, and I've worked for a few different agencies and I've worked with a lot of different agencies mm-hmm. and there is no one out there in uh, your local law enforcement that wants to come to your house and try to take your gun from you 
and then go to the next house the next day and then the next house after that. That would be a living hell. Or, or well, I mean, and they're not going to do one at a time, right? They don't want to spend the whole day necessarily. I hope not. I hope not. Right. But, you know, we'll right. see what it I mean, comes down to. That's a kind of that's a level of madness that I, I have a hard time fathoming um, just because while you're trying to do that, the average um, domestic violence is going to keep happening. Drunk driving is going to keep happening. The, the calls don't go away just because you have some brand new initiative that the ATF has hooked up. And, and again, I, I'll say this too. I think there is not a whole lot of federal law enforcement that takes place in the hands of local law enforcement. Um, we are charged oftentimes with assisting federal agencies but we don't we don't charge federal crimes and prosecute federal crimes that often. It's just it's not something that happens. They have their own system and they have their own branch of enforcement. Um, mm-hmm. It's not nearly as large as the collective of all of the local law enforcement agencies that you have across the United States. But but they have their own system for those things, mm-hmm. and um, it would be woefully undermanned or underpersoned to um, attempt such an undertaking. I think. Yeah, Shannon, you're being very patient, which is you're you're so awesome with your patience. You got to jump in here. Oh, you no. can jump in. Don't be not. Don't I'm be nice. My brain. I was just. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's stuff going through your mind. What what's what do you no, think about no, all this? Just going back to holding mm-hmm. people back with your first point about COVID and how it's affected businesses here in Oregon. Mm-hmm. All the cannabis shops were gloriously open right. and busy, yeah. just like Target. You go to a cannabis shop, or you get during a respiratory mm-hmm. pandemic. In Oregon, you could go to Walmart, Target, and the cannabis shops. Can't go right. to church. You're going to be turned in if you have more than uh, six people at Thanksgiving. Kate Brown mm-hmm. initiated that to turn in your neighbor and call the police. You know, that's another thing. Oh, do you, yeah, you know, I think the liquor call? stores were open, too. Right. I don't know if that, that happened there. Okay. But again, the cannabis strikes me as odd since this is a respiratory uh, pandemic, but that you can smoke all the pot you want and hookah up, you know, get your bong out, all that. It's all OK. You know, you can also lay on the Burnside Bridge face down in a, in a mob, you know, during. Uh, August and and she was praised for that for laying on the bridge face down in swarms of hundreds of people, uh, you know, protesting. And uh, but if you went to church, you were you know spreading the virus. Mm-hmm. Um, so just just to go back to the initial point of um, you know the extremism of Portland, um, and then as it relates to um, yeah turning people in and the use of the, the time of the police, you know, literally at Thanksgiving she was telling neighbors to call in neighbors if you had more than six people at your gathering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, just, it's insanity. Um, anyway, that, that was just a little two cents on. No, I think, were- you know what, I think that's the kind of crazy stuff that we're dealing with. And when people see it out there, they're because, okay, I, it's not that I want to keep this going, but we have to think about this. Who do people go to? You know, who do people go to? Who works for the people? This is the whole thing about the Second Amendment. I mean, the answer to that is ultimately we all work for ourselves. We all have to defend ourselves. That's the bottom line. It's it's scary if you really, you know, when the rubber meets the road and you actually have to do it, it's kind of scary. But people are thinking, who is it? Because I'm electing people and they're giving up my rights. And then in my city where I live, we're employing police officers, let's say, and they're just doing what these guys say to do. And it's clearly there's just there's just such wrong things going on. I know I saw during the lockdown 
there were people who went to church and they stayed in their car and the preacher was outside and the cops showed up and they were like, we're ticketing everyone, right? And it's, who, who does this? Who's making these decisions that we have to do this? Do we blame the police officers for doing it? But at the same time, if they all said, hey, we're not doing this, and then they all get fired, do we somehow take care of them after that? You know, who? how come, how come the, the mayor or whoever it is that makes that decision, no one goes after them and says, how the hell could you do this? You'll, ne- you'll never be here again, right? <laughs> you know, what's, right. what's exactly going on and, and who is taking responsibility for things? And this is why people get frustrated. Because there's lots of people in charge. No one's actually taking the responsibility when everyone gets mad about what happens. Well, in Portland, they're emboldened. I mean, they just keep pushing the envelope further and further. Kate Brown and Ted Wheeler, like they, they don't even mind. And, and oddly enough, the, the culture of Multnomah County, the people that elected those officials are kind of in a weird, creepy way supporting them. And I think that's why I've been, uh, some of my friends, again, I've been here 52 years. I'm a conservative in Portland, Oregon, and watching, I, I I wouldn't how is that it. possible? How how does how does a rose grow? I've been challenged at this point lately by a lot of friends because mm-hmm. we're we're clashing right now. And um, it I I grew up in a mill. I was born in Fort Knox, Kentucky. My father, um, I was adopted into a military family. My father was a, was a colonel in the army. And then we moved out to Portland where my mother's family was. And I was raised in private Catholic schools in Portland. I was raised in a home where my father was uh, all about military, military history. And so my roots, my core, my family, my foundation, my value structure um, came from my father, my family, and then uh, my, you know, the church. And um, then growing up into the high school and then University of Oregon, which is in Eugene, and then, you know, my hippie phase living on Southeast Hawthorne, you know, and, the, and, and then, you know, trying to fit in. I think uh, I, I kind of blended in, but I was the only one bringing a Ross Perot cake to a Bill Clinton party when my girlfriend had, okay. had a party. <laughs> and I voted for Ross Perot. <laughs> and, then, and then, you know, I'm, I'm the one always voting for the Republican. Everyone's like, what are you doing, Shannon? You mm-hmm. act like this, you know, fun, liberal, whatever, Portland girl. But the truth is my core values came from my family and my father. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I feel like they're uh, having started the, the gun company or the tactical training company seven years ago, I found my people again and mm-hmm. in Oregon and, and they haven't, they hide. We, we hide here in Portland because we want to fit in and we want our friends to love us that we've known for 30 years. And mm-hmm. I will tell you what, this year has brought, I, when I first voted for Trump and I publicly announced that, you know, mm-hmm. back when he first came down the escalator, people thought I was out of my mind. And uh, I'm like, no, I, I think this is, you know, what the country needs right now. And I think it's what the Republican Party needs right now. But I, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that, and I speak up in a very non-divisive way. And I just, you know, my little Trump thing, I'm conservative, but I don't, I don't judge. I'm very, you know, and I have my gun thing and everybody's just, they're so... They, they've, you know, disowned me and they can't believe it. I've just, I'm atrocious. You know? mm. And I'm just like, I'm still me. I'm just speaking up a little bit. I think conservative women have a very hard time being, um, uh, 
speaking up. I think mm-hmm. we like to be polite. I think we're sophisticated in our rhetoric and we don't mean to cause conflict and, and we just listen and we don't judge. But I think it is a, a period of time right now, at least for me in Oregon, where I felt um, the need to uh, empower others to be okay, you know, voicing their concerns. Let's just start with voicing our concerns, not judging, but like, let's acknowledge there is a huge problem in Portland, Oregon, mm-hmm. you know, and so long people are just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Yeah, and then to but- have Trump pointed out, it's like, come on, lady, come on. And, and women, and women especially have a voice because we don't tend to want to be divisive. We don't mm. need to go down there and, you know, pound our fists. But but talking about these subjects, um, I think is so critical for the conservative female voice during this phase, mm-hmm. because I've really been bullied. The f- last four years, I've been bullied terribly, and I just take it. I just take it. I just take it. Mm-hmm. And now I'm kind of like, you know what, crazy friends, <laughs> you know, some of these things are getting, they're so out of control here. I must speak. I will speak respectfully. I will not be divisive. Um, I will educate and empower women who are seeking knowledge on firearms and training. Um, I will speak on human trafficking. I will speak on the the, uh, defunding of the police and support our law enforcement that I am personally friends with all of them and a lot of them in Portland. Mm-hmm. Multnomah County and Clackamas, and uh, I think we need to talk about these things, and and women really need to talk about these things that are uncomfortable. The duty to protect. Okay, we need to protect ourselves. There is no, <laughs> there is no Superman. There's no Navy SEAL when you call nine one one, especially in Multnomah County right now, because it's, <laughs> it's Lord of the Flies yeah. in Portland. Well, and so in mob rule, being nice gets you nowhere. Unfortunately, like I understand where you're coming from, but at the end of the day, I think we need to identify what situation we're in. You know what I'm saying? And I think if you're in mob rule, like what's happening in lots of places in Portland, right? Lots, uh, most of it, I guess, at this point, right? You know better than I do. If you're if you're trying to be nice, that doesn't work. You know, and no. I and I get that people want to be nice about what they're doing, right? And no one wants to be the bad guy. But it's it's not going to work if the other side is not being nice, and then there's more of them than you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it, interestingly enough, in the defunding of the police in Multnomah County, even the people that are anti, uh, you know, they want to defund the police, mm-hmm. um, called me and they're like, but I, you know, they were acknowledging, well, I guess I need to get firearms training. So these people that were anti-gun a little while ago are now mm-hmm. buying tactical firearms. And I'm talking about left, right, whatever, mostly left in Portland. Um, they're buying tactical firearms. They're acknowledging, yes, we want to defend the police. So we recognize we need to actually get trained. And so it's kind of an interesting, just, it's just a, we a need, lot we, of conversations going on all of a sudden. We need to figure out what we want in the world. I think this is one of the crazy, like, I think one of the problems that happens in America, because it's America, people think it can't devolve to a third world country real fast. Oh, it's exactly. <laughs> and you don't, you don't actually realize it until you're in the situation where it's devolving well, to what you would yeah. huh? Boiling a frog <laughs> yeah. analogy. But people need to figure out what they want. Go ahead. I think a lot of people have seen it um, in Portland was one of the greatest examples. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just the pandemic. It, it wasn't just the looming threat of um, a potential Democratic president uh, coming into term. It was a combination of a lot of things that people saw 
and they realized that law enforcement was overly engaged and potentially would prioritize a situation where they're fighting with people at a protest uh, over what might be happening at your home right now. Mm -hmm. And that was alarming. That's always been the reality. You are always your first responder. Mm -hmm. But, um, man, that has driven the gun sales, I think, almost more than anything, just because of the simple fact that those people on the other side, like you're talking about, Shannon, mm -hmm. are, are the ones who are helping drive those sales right now. I think sometimes we need, in certain parts of America, to go back to Wild Wild West rules, even if it's just temporary. I think at some point we need someone in America that can say, I now declare this the Wild Wild West zone. Everyone has to fight it out. Whoever wins this battle is running things. What about things the purge, over. Hank? The, the purge? I'm not, listen, it's not, I'm not seriously calling for that, but it seems like how are we actually going to settle things? Because look, what you guys are saying is true. We need to decide where we're at, right? We can't be schizophrenic about this. I'm not, so I think... Like when it comes to what we even started talking about and what we're talking about now, I'm in the middle. Ultimately, I want to take care of my family. That's what matters to me, right? My family, myself, my, my friends, the people around me, I want to take care of them. I don't want them to I, I don't want them to get destroyed, right? And this is what I'm thinking about. And if I've got to defend those people in that in, in that moment in order to do that, I'm gonna do it. Now, when we when we start spreading it out, if we there's we all decide like the, the job of a police officer we created that. <laughs> yep. We created this thing. And we and and then somehow we feel like we don't have control over it because it's gotten away from us. But we create this thing. We ask these people to do this job. And then at the same time, we're getting frustrated when they're either not doing the job or when they're okay. overdoing the job. I have something to say about that. So uh, like I said, when we started the company, it was regarding active shooter response training. So here they want it, you know, then we, we as soon as we have a shooting like Newtown, Orlando, Dallas, mm -hmm. um, it, you know, here in, uh, um, uh, it was it Umqua, I think, mm -hmm. um, when you have these active shooters happening, everyone is like, oh my gosh, up in arms, what can we do? What can we do? Well, at the end of the day, if they really understood the, the, the training schedule of a law enforcement officer and how it's not that of a Navy SEAL or a, a no. special forces Green Beret or, you know, someone in the world of GRS. They, it's not that constant training. There's only a few guys. There's only a few guys. If you if you take a percentage out of the police departments, there's only a few guys that are going to have even like the understanding that Sean has, for example. It's not everyone that's going to be trained up to that level. And Sean knows the force on force, you know, you know, training happens a certain percentage. You know, they everyone gets a little. But I think and school resource officers, I mean, in the past, I think they're trying to change that. I think that that if people, the civilians understood that they have to um, that that they can't rely on them for everything. And then on top of it, now they want to defund them. They also don't understand when they're defunding them. It's not like they're defunding the guy in the patrol car. They're defunding programs for human trafficking, for the, the victims and all these other things before it even gets to defunding these horrible, awful patrol guys that, right. you know, that we're claiming. They don't understand they're defunding tax. They're defunding the, the force on force training. They need to be able to run into a school and navigate their way through a high school and find a room with an active shooter they don't understand that school resource officers and all these these people don't have you know constant training and constant scenario based training to deal with these these threats and so i i just find it fascinating 
they, they don't know what they, they don't know what they don't know. So we have these right. people screaming for things, mm-hmm. screaming for things, not knowing and not educated on this or sophisticated in the things they're discussing. They're discussing ARs and guns and they don't even know what they're talking about. I have a friend that argued with me the other day about he said the highest level of training is CHL, and those people. I said, oh. <laughs> "Okay, so you need to clarify what CHL is, because I think everyone has a different." Uh, so the lowest, the basic thing you can do if you're a uh, concealed carry person is to go get your concealed handgun license in your state. Mm-hmm. In some states, you can literally call them and go, "Send it to me," you know, like Arizona, and they send it to you, and it's glorious. And but you, that doesn't make you the sheriff. No, and then in Portland, Oregon, you have to do a, you know, PowerPoint for two hours. You know, it's a PowerPoint, mm-hmm. three hours, you go to a class, you never touch a gun. Mm-hmm. So people are in this fight and in this conversation so ignorant about what they're even speaking to, about the guns, about the, the training and so forth, about law enforcement and what a law enforcement officer, what their life is like, and um, and defunding. Well, they don't even know what they're defunding. They're just screaming for these things. Um, my friend who is in uh, law enforcement that I mentioned earlier did a phenomenal video, which I hope becomes viral here, and I, we put it out on um, use of force. Uh, he's black belt jiu-jitsu, and they uh, trains on use of force for the, the – um, the, uh, I'm sorry. Now I can't even. Lots of words for the the, um, the chokehold. Is it? It's a we are naked. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Yes. And they go mm-hmm. through a dissection on this video that's very very well done with several other Clackamas County um, people and and dissect that and and edu- and it, it's not a it's not a video that takes too much of a position. It's just educating people on what happens step by step by step by step and and the situation that the law enforcement officers in when they have to make that use of force decision um anyway again i'm a civilian i'm mm-hmm. you know but but i i i feel like more civilians need to be educated on on things so they can oh, yeah. they can they can at least have an opinion and be ranting and raving yeah. knowing something of mm-hmm. intelligence yeah, I, and I, would love to, I would love to pick that up and run with it, Hank. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think I think we're dealing. I think a lot of us are dealing with buzzwords, and um, you know, I agree with Honey Bunches here what they said, and then I'm going to let you get in on this, Sean. We need to yeah. stop saying defund. It should be restructure. There isn't enough training, etc. I think that's the point that Shannon is making here. Sean, go for it. Yeah. So here, here's what's going to happen when you are able to affect change within law enforcement and you get that defunding accomplished, you're going to say to yourself, yes, we did it. We defunded them. We've systematically changed everything. Here's what your law enforcement administrator is going to do. Okay. Uh, If you are sexually assaulted, let's say, horrible scenario, but you're brutally, viciously sexually assaulted, beaten and left for dead, do you want the rookie who just got out of the academy to show up and ask you what happened to you, or are you going to appreciate the tenderness that that detective shows up with and walks you through everything that needs to be done and does everything within their power to not victimize you again? Um, There is a huge difference between uh, someone who has specialized training and someone who goes to every call Though their last call was a dog call, and then their next call is going to be you and your horrible rape. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's going to happen is, with more support, 
the law enforcement agency in your area is going to bloom and it's going to specialize based upon the call load within your area. If you have a lot of drugs, they'll have a lot of narcotics folks working that. If uh, sex assault or human trafficking is an issue in your area, they're going to spin up more resources dedicated to that. Guess what happens when you defund? All of that goes away. And why that goes away is because law enforcement has a core responsibility to handle calls within their jurisdiction. And they can take all of that specialized training and if they have to eliminate positions or if they have to cut funding, they'll go back almost like the body does when it starts going into shock, right? It pulls blood back to the core to keep everything, just to keep the basic function alive. And so the next call that you have at your house, the, kid, the officer that shows up may be a 20-year veteran who really knows what they're doing, or they might be the guy that came in and um, replaced that person after they left and said, I, I can't mm-hmm. do this anymore. Yeah, and I think one of the one of the scenarios you're leaving out of that is the other scenario is that thing happens to you, no one does anything. It's up to you to do something or someone someone else maybe who cares about you to do something and we make it wild wild west. That's the other scenario. I'm not saying that's right. bad. I think right. maybe maybe there's some places in our country that we need to do that. Now, I could say that and that's words. Um, right. I'm just going to echo something that Night Train said here. He says, uh, no, I don't want the rookie to show up or any other experienced detective. I want to be armed and ready for any situation. I agree with that. But here's the thing. If you're living like if you're living like Shannon <laughs> in a place where you've lived for a long time and you've invested in to have that and then it's gone this direction, you either need to army up or get the hell out. Yeah. And it's not just a conversation about arming, you know, when a, when an aggressive person breaks through your door and, and attacks your family. We're talking about programs that, that help the, the, the most vulnerable, the domestic violence, the runaways, the people that are in, in human trafficking uh, are most vulnerable. And so what's going to happen to these communities like Multnomah County versus Clackamas County? Clackamas County, you know, they're they're running. The, there's the, the law is there in Clackamas County in Oregon. In, mm-hmm. in right downtown, right across, you know, right across the street in Multnomah County in Portland, Oregon, it's Lord of the Flies. It's lawlessness. Mm-hmm. So what's going to happen to these communities is people are going to, you know, pick up their kids and go to the community that has, you know, law and order, or you're right. You're going to have to defend yourself. And I mean, defending your home is one thing, you know, but, but all these other programs to protect the most vulnerable, that's where the the hypocrisy with the Portland people saying what they're saying, they're the people who are the most worried about some of these programs, but they don't even understand they're defunding. That's why I'm like, yeah. you don't even know what you're doing. I mean, I think I, I think yeah. we, I think we also need to uh, clarify, like, who's calling for defunding the police? So now here is a gun guy. We've been doing this podcast, I think, for about three years, and we've talked about lots of different situations with police officers. And I would like to say we're balanced. I've had police officers on before. I think I've had some criminals on. Um, you know, the thing, the, the, the big thing to me that we've always talked about is that cops need to be better vetted, right? 
Everyone shouldn't be in that position. Everyone, you know, is not meant to be in that position. You can't necessarily have police officers out there just based on, okay, we need to have this many women, this many men, these amount of people need to be black, these people need right. to be, you know, whatever, you know, we can't, we can't do it like that. We need to vet people, train them, pay them better, and continue that training. I don't think I've ever said like, hey, let's just get rid of everyone. Maybe we need to, in, in certain places, have a lot less police officers that are better vetted, better trained, and and better paid, right? Sure. That's what we've sure. said. That's what we've kind of said on the gun side. And I think the people who are calling for complete de- for completely like defunding the police are the folks on the other side that even we were making fun of them here on this side, saying, "Okay, you guys want to defund the police, but you also want to get rid of guns at the same time. How does that work?" Yeah, they're not. They're not thinking. Um, yeah. Back to the police thing and training again with Red Frog, our company, I we we had so I can't tell you how many lovely police officers, you know, would call from different states just going, can I get a discount for training? I don't get the proper. I'm being thrown. I can't tell you my heart, my heart, my heart went out to law enforcement guys that follow us on Instagram who are like, Shannon, I see your training. We, I need your training. I'm in a job where I'm being I'm it's. It's more than I've been trained to do. I'm being thrown into circumstances. I know I'm not appropriately trained. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how often that happened. I'm not saying that about all departments at all. Or so anything a lot like of them that. aren't even properly equipped. I mean, I went with my local and, uh, and I live in a, in a, a small rural county and I went to do some training with my local guys. Um, I, I hate to tell you guys this. People didn't even have their optics on properly. Um, they didn't know where to zero those things. I mean, it was pretty bad. And then what the the worst thing in the world happened Two of the guys that I was out there with one day were having lunch and a guy just walked up to them with a rifle and executed them, you know, and then, and then went out to his car in the parking lot and killed himself. I mean, you know, this, we need to have these conversations in a more balanced way. We decided we want police officers. I'm fine if everybody wants to go like a purge or whatever, you know, and then and then we all hash this out. But it's not going to work out for everyone. Probably, probably including me. And let me let me pull on that thread a little bit. Hank. Um, When I was in high school, I was not the legal eagle that I am now. Um, I was rebellious. I had a lot going on in my life and I hated cops. I absolutely hated cops. Uh, I, I'm not um, embarrassed to say it. At the time, that's how I felt. It was a really powerful feeling. But what ended up happening was a strange thing. I started working in search and rescue as a volunteer, and I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed the, the core of helping people. Um, in Colorado, that is that responsibility for search and rescue for the public is relegated to the sheriff. It is assigned to the sheriff or his designee or her designee. And the next thing I knew, I was looking at the reserve program and um, I had long hair in those days, long gone now, but I cut my hair, I put on that uniform and I started doing ride-alongs as a reserve deputy. And and an amazing transformation happened. Um, I started going from that kid who was maybe not um, an outright criminal, but a ne'er-do-well who, who was not happy with the cops because of things that had happened to my friends, um, to seeing the other side of things. 
and, and within that, we begin to develop the empathy. When you walk a mile in somebody else's shoes, um, you know, some people will say jackboots. Sure. Yeah. Um, there are cases where police have made mistakes. Absolutely. It happens all the time. It, it's a messy job. It's a difficult job. But the idea that I'm trying to express here is that most people don't know how messy it is or how difficult it is. And, and, and I would just encourage folks, you know, before they get so wrapped around the axle with defunding or with doing whatever they think needs to happen in law enforcement, to go out and do a few ride-alongs. Get involved with your local law enforcement. Um, Sir Robert Peel from England, a long time ago, developed his nine Peelian principles. And one of those is that law enforcement is society, right? Uh, society creates law enforcement, and we delegate people within society to become that. And we cannot do the things that we do within our job without the approval of the public. And we're at a, a terrible impasse right now because I feel like there's a lot of folks who don't understand the job. Mm -hmm. They don't understand just how bad folks are out there and the things that they're doing to each other. Uh, and, and it's kind of conveniently tucked away, right? Mm -hmm. Because we don't want to hear about broken babies. and We don't want to hear about uh, elderly rape and, and horrible things that happen on a daily basis. Um, mm -hmm. But we don't spend the time, we don't invest to go in and find out, oh, okay, here, here's, here's what they're going through on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. This is what the officer's facing. They get 20 hours uh, a year of annual training. Now spread that across use of force for uh, arrest control or, or self-defense, driving, which is a, a critical liability skill, and firearms, which is your least utilized but most important skill. Uh, 20 hours is nothing, right? Yeah. How much time is spent on uh, figuring out how to fill out the paperwork properly? It, it, it's usually part of the academy, and then once you go through your FTO program, each agency has a little difference that they use. But, but the training and the core critical skills that we have, um, follow up on case law. I mean, things like that are so important, but people are trying to strangle uh, the life out of law enforcement as opposed to actually examining it, like Shannon said, mm -hmm. and figuring out, okay, let's let's really take an honest look at this. Let's understand it before we disassemble. Yeah, get, get in there. If you want to change it, you have to get in there and know what you're trying to change, right? I mean, one of the first things in management, uh, I remember my dad talked this, uh, taught this to me a long time ago. He said, if you're, if you're taking over someplace, you never go in there and start giving orders. <laughs> No. You have to go in and observe <laughs> and figure out what exact what orders are you giving exactly. Go, go, Shannon. I know you have a point here. Oh, I was going to say, where in Colorado are you, Sean? I'm in Fort Collins. Oh, okay. All right. We've trained down in Montrose and Array, and there's a lot of small, um, small, you know, offices that don't get the training. They don't have the budgets. Right. People don't understand this. Mm -hmm. You know, sure, like you know, Portland SWAT or Clackamas SWAT. You know. They, they have big budgets, but there's all these small places that actually don't even have the budgets mm -hmm. within right. their their you know their their uh, annual training to even oh it's it's horrifying. The, and the even when justice statistics indicate that there uh, the majority of law enforcement agencies in the United States are like ten officers and under. Yes, and, and that's that's crazy. Um, you mentioned your rate. I worked in Silverton for a year. 
Um, and again, we talk about starving to death, right? So uh, very little training, very little access to training because geographically everything is happening on the other side of the state. Uh, yep. so these, these are some of the challenges that are out there. And um, to my way of thinking, uh, law enforcement needs more training. More for uh, training. We need, we need standards. We need yeah. to have more training. And um, we need to get clear about what that needs to be. Um, there, there, you don't have a lot of standards within states. And, yeah. and sometimes they vary from state to state. Yes. Uh, so I don't know that a, that a generalized code could fix everything in the nation. But um, I, I feel like there needs to be uh, better leadership and there needs to be a, uh, a real emphasis on training. Yeah, let me go Just to you know, to Ray, mm -hmm. again, that's it. Now, and some of these small towns have an influx of like 18,000 people for, you know, events and all this stuff. And they're completely overwhelmed. Um, they, 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 there's, you know, six guys, they haven't done force on force or room clearing or one, two, man. And then on the days where we would train, I'm not going to say which, you know, states or what departments or whatever, you know, some of the people couldn't even come to the training because someone had to be out working the, the streets. So they're missing the training. I, uh, the podcast I'm about to launch up in Portland actually with some of the, uh, producers of gold rush is going to touch on this. I want to make impalpable, um, conversation, mm -hmm. concierge information. Information to women because mm -hmm. women women are women are interested in this too. Mm -hmm. I yeah. want them to understand these challenges um, rather than me saying stop saying do you find the place. I really want to make um, bring perspective to people on exactly this point. How they're not they're not Superman. They're not they're not given every tool that they could possibly have. Some of these departments are, um, and, and all the more reason a woman or a teacher or a uh, Bible school teacher should be um, somewhat proficient in some kind of threat re reaction plan. Yeah, yeah. Um, listen, I don't want to make this, uh, and I'm not trying to get away from the subject at all. Definitely trying to hit it because that's why I'm here to talk about things people want to talk about. But I am going to try to switch a little bit because we already went through an hour. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I was telling these guys before we started, I don't think we're going to have a problem figuring out what we want to talk about. Um, it's sometimes really, really random. Uh, but So I'm going to ask everyone to smash your thumbs up that's out here. I want to switch it in this way. I want to I want to uh, get to know Shannon here uh, a little bit better. Now, Lola was telling me I need to ask you about the whole meaning of red frog you know, Red Frog team, like, what does that oh, mean? Where does it come? From? Yeah, where does it come well, from? And then I want to dig yeah. in and ask you some other questions that I think me and Sean, because you're a woman and, and you're doing a lot of stuff with women. I want to know what the women want to know so that me and Sean being two dudes, we can we can help answer some of those questions. But tell us about Red Frog. So Red Frog was started. I've done multiple um, medical devices. My background is in brand building and business development, raising capitals to, to start companies. Mm -hmm. And by the time I was 50, I wanted to start a company of my own. Um, I've been in the medical device industry forever, bringing light devices to market. Anyway, mm -hmm. um, at the time, I met uh, my my partner uh, in my personal life, who was a third year Navy, a twenty year Navy SEAL, seven year um, GRS contractor, and I was watching the guys, like my father, come out of the military and struggle with that transition from military 
cut and dry, you know, formula life to civilian life. And how do they redefine who they are as a man or a woman coming out of what is so much structure being thrown into the world of, um, you know, the civilian world. Yeah, it's father, almost like a prisoner coming out of jail. <laughs> it is, in a, lot it of is ways. a little bit like that. And a mm. lot of them have trauma too. And so watching my father through the years regroup within a camaraderie setting with his um, the men he he was in the military with, I saw the the um, the the sense of peace, the joy, the you know all the talking and the, and the gun thing and all that. And I thought, oh, I can maybe replicate that, you know, in the camaraderie sense. So we were. I I felt like I always had to help my dad figure out you know, becoming a businessman, civilian kind of thing. And these men were struggling with the same thing. They were very private. Most of them were GRS contractors. And and so Red Frog came out of um, the concept that one of them was a Navy SEAL, kind of a frogman. Uh, they all, there was only one Navy SEAL and the rest were Green Braves, this and that. So we kind of came up with remember everyone deployed, uh, deadly frog. It came from a bu- bunch of different things. But in branding, I always like to have a very simple logo that a you know a, a five-year-old can remember. Mm-hmm. I didn't want it to be tactical. I didn't want it to be gun. I didn't want it to be anything in, in um, divisive because we we're doing threat assessments for schools. So I wanted the children to be able to wear the shirt and not feel like it was a gun shirt. Okay. Anyway, you so- didn't want to do kill all commies. Yeah, we couldn't do that. We couldn't have the big rifle thing. (laughs) And so I wanted it to be a brand that... that, that wasn't aggressive, but was also strong. Mm-hmm. So that's where Red Frog came. Um, it's, you know, again, uh, it kind of evolved into different things from a threat assessments to just cool tactical gear, to, you know, gear apparel and mm-hmm. tactical training to what it's evolved to now, more so during lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to take it back a notch. We had we had men's classes running. We'll shut down Oregon. I had to cancel classes. It's been awful. But women are so, okay, you want, you want to know what women want? to know well what happens with women is they they need to, you know men will show up with a rifle class they've shot millions of rounds down range and they they're not they don't, they've never taken a single class but they've already bought the gun bought the gear spent eleven thousand dollars they've got ars they got pistols never taken a drawing from a holster class in their life <laughs> and they're incredibly dangerous mm-hmm. women however they want to do everything before they touch the gun so what happens is like a, a kid going out to play in the snow where the mother puts all that snow coat on them and all this stuff they go out there and they don't feel confident that's what a man does to a woman this is i'll tell you what not to do how about that Mm -hmm. (laughs) the woman wants to build her own confidence but what men tend to do with women with guns is they're like uh here's a revolver because it's you're you're not very good and you're not safe enough for a glock so here's a revolver or here's a gun with all these safeties on it here's a holster well they don't even give them a holster because they don't recognize they need drawing from the holster class and they, they load this woman up with what they think the woman needs. And then they get them on the range and they're like, okay, shoot the gun. You know, and then they get into a, a fight and crying. And it's a lot of There's what has, I just want to know. I just want to know. What did Lola tell you? Did Lola tell you some stuff about me? No, I'm just kidding. The men. It's not a thing of if you're if you're a man. That's the worst ones were the 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 wives of the Navy SEALs. Actually, they're like, I can't stand shooting with him. He's oh, so yeah. mean. The worst thing we did was come up with a couples concealed class. I've never seen more danger on a range than with couples concealed. Mm. The men and the women crying, fight, like I'd like. I mean, I'm telling you what. 
from that point on, I'm like, I have to have my own world for women because women want to feel confident and empowered. And there's this weird dynamic that goes on with a man and a woman when when the man tries to give her a gun or tell her what to do with a gun and she shuts down. She's already scared. Anyway, so this last year during COVID, what I decided to do is do Zoom calls with women mm-hmm. so I could gear them up and teach them everything they need to know before they even get a gun or get to the range yeah. because they want so much information. They want to feel confident in themselves. Mm-hmm. But what happens is they'll show up for a class with a totally wrong setup that their husband bought for them. Or they'll show up for a, a 300 round tactical drawing from the holster class with a revolver. And I'm like, okay, because the husband told him, and then, and I'm like, okay, you can have a revolver, but here's my Glock 43 or Glock 19. Let's do this. And then by the end of there, they're like, why did he buy me a revolver? Or why did he buy me this gun with all these safeties on it? I'm like, yeah, exactly. So I, I think my, my goal mm-hmm. get the woman before mm-hmm. the husband calls her ever, or the guy at the gun store. Talk mm-hmm. about patronizing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's nothing worse yeah. than walking into a gun store for a woman. Nothing worse because the guy behind the counter is like, listen, honey, I, I used to hand out my flyers for our classes all around Portland. And then I wait for the manager or whatever. And the guy would try and sell me a gun. And he's like, it was always like a little pink revolver, a little this or that. And uh, you don't need this. And then I'd show him my, my flyer and I'd he'd be like, oh, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so um, with, you know, and, and it's just uh, men need to know that women need to build their confidence first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And sometimes that's giving them information before they even touch the gun. Mm-hmm. So what I've effectively been able to do this year during COVID without being able to run classes is reach out to that woman. I'm starting my uh, my podcast platform to reach out to women to give them the information so they can go buy the gun. So they know they're geared up. So they can feel confident in their process of getting to know. I wanna concierge them into the world with a direct relationship with me and other women who can empower them. Unfortunately, it's just a weird thing. Women just have a hard time learning from a, a you know their the, their loved one mm-hmm. because they're a little sensitive about the gun already, and then they're sensitive about you and pleasing you yeah. or making you happy or 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 being as good as you, whatever it is. And yeah. it's a it's so, a tricky formula. So Red Frog Women, Shannon Monahan, my host. Specifically, Shannon Monaghan podcast. I'm going to really make it a conversation about how how to empower them and 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 then show off to their husband once they know what they're doing. Yeah, you know, bring the husband out. Yeah, so teach the husband how to there's have a couple, the finger straight. <laughs> absolutely, there's a couple of things in here. I don't know if we can maybe because I think you you like took it off center. If you could center, so when I go to like three three people, there, boom, perfect. Okay, so one of the things I could say is, have you ever seen? Typically, this is not every guy. But uh, if a guy is trying to teach a girl or if a man is trying to teach a woman or a husband is trying to teach a wife how to drive, this is a thing that should not happen. (laughs) This is a thing that should not happen. And but it comes from it comes from a place. I think it comes from a point of view of of love. And I think that even with Lola and I, now everyone's different. Right. We've started this whole thing by saying everyone's different. I think everyone works differently. Um, I don't believe like a woman should have a revolver or anything like that. But I know as a guy, a lot of times, if, if you love your wife and you're thinking like she's going to be in a situation without me under stress, how is she going to react to that? Now, the way that guys teach each other stuff, 
or the way that it works in the male hierarchy is completely different in how it works in the female hierarchy. And that's why a long time ago they used to do school with the boys over here and the girls over here, right? So a lot of times when I hear it, like I've had other people on that say, you know, with women, it's better to have women training women, you know, because because you don't want to scare that person away and just make it so stressful that they don't yeah. do it. Yeah. That happens yeah. I've been a law enforcement firearms instructor for about five years now. Yeah. And um, Honey Bunches I, says that uh, Sean Curtis is an amazing instructor. And then there's Love Eyes. So now I'm sensing I'm sensing uh, there may be a connection there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's complete giveaway. <laughs> but um, I have trained uh, several people. I've also taught in the local academies, and mm -hmm. uh, consistently working with women is different. But um, the things that I have found is they are less full of machismo. They're less full of that. Oh, I already know what to do. Women will listen to you. They will uh, ingest what you're telling them, and then they do it. And, and that's amazing because you will tell a woman, no, hold it like this. And then you won't see them a few seconds later going back to that silly grip that they were doing later. Mm -hmm. um, I've worked with uh, Karen and uh, Shoot Like a Girl and the gals over at A Girl with a Girl and a Gun, and, and I'm always happy to see uh, firearms instructions specifically tailored for women. When my wife uh, and I went to, uh, we were shot this year, and we stopped in the trailer, uh, shoot like a girl, and um, my wife, who I have taught, and I feel like I'm fairly evolved mm -hmm. with being able to teach women without any yelling or crying or dramatics or anything like that, like just present the information and um, get them confident in it and have them do it with more repetition. Uh, she went with this one instructor that was there, and um, the lady was telling her things that I could never have fathomed, just because I'm not that height. I don't have that body type. I, I don't think like that. And and so it was extremely valuable, and um, I started to learn more just watching her instruct my wife. So, uh, Shannon, that's awesome. I, I think mm -hmm. that's great. Yeah, we we ran into trouble um, with the Red Frog classes that were very, uh, you know, they're hardcore, they're tactically centric. I personally love them, but I grew up in it kind of, you know, sure. with the company. But women have a story. Women are talkers and they they want to share with why they're there. They either were attacked. They have a fear. So there's a little bit of emotion going into why they're even showing up. Right. Men. Man, men don't talk. Men are all about like puffed up. <laughs> They're mm -hmm. just like get out there and you know be competitive. And mm -hmm. women are in a more vulnerable place when they step into that gun world. So, mm -hmm. so I'm really excited to be able to taking the take the exact same resources mm -hmm. and strategies I've used for just the men's training and apply it to the women with tapering it with changes, obviously. Yeah. But um, offering that same you know, yeah. the services and products. I think there's right. certain things as men, certain things that we get into as men that are good things, but not necessarily monolithic. We shouldn't do it everywhere. Lola gets mad at me when I shout at her sons, but this is my philosophy. You be, you need to get used to people shouting at you, <laughs> you know? Now, is right. that, should that go on all the time? <laughs> no, I mean, there, probably there's not. A place for it. And one of, one of my favorite examples is like, I, I have taught people who have looked at me and seriously asked, what is a muzzle? Okay. And 
that's okay. We can't denigrate people for ignorance. No. They're there mm-hmm. to learn. It's your job to instruct them. Mm-hmm. So be that instructor. Don't don't be downcast. Don't be cocky and act like, well, you don't know anything, so why am I going to help? Mm-hmm. No, you're there to in- inform them. Mm-hmm. Um, my buddy Emery, uh, <laughs> love him to death, he has taught me classes. He is a former uh, special forces for the Israeli Defense Force. Mm-hmm. He is a hard dude, and he is a badass. And I remember um, a clearing, breaching, no, not breaching, but a clearing training, a room clearing training that we were doing with him a couple years ago. And my elbow started to creep out as I was cornering. He punched me in the elbow. <laughs> okay. Now, that's not a technique that I would recommend um, for a lot of settings. Right. But it right. worked for me. He did it three times, and then my elbow was stuck to my side, and it wasn't going to get shot off or chicken winging, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, like laying prone and having your ankles down. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. Well, right. and, and, and for a good, a good instructor, male or female, and I've had horrible female instructors, and I could go on about that too. Mm. So it's not about you know male or female. It really is about the um, ability to build confidence in a person. It's ability to check your ego at the door and be there for the person, not your ego or not who you are and your whole resume. Mm -hmm. It's like, are you there to empower and educate this person so they walk away confident and proficient versus scared and clueless? So if you are that person that can can bestow confidence and and proficiencies on another person, um, it's a it's a lovely investment to teach another person firearm safety. Yeah, I think it's like we were saying with police officers earlier, and not that I'm trying to go back to that, but everyone is not. <laughs> Uh, if you're listening on audio, you're going to have to go see Sean's face later. Um, you know, <laughs> but everyone was not meant to, everyone wasn't meant to be a teacher. Yep. No. Oh, that's a fact. And here's the misconception. And it, and it, it, I've dealt with this with bringing on instructors, the public's perception, especially men is the more badass they are and more this and that, the more they're going to be. Uh, a great instructor. Mm-hmm. Now, the truth is, absolutely, they have tremendous scenarios to share, you know, scenario stories. They've actually been in and this and that. But sometimes very good instructors may not necessarily be mm-hmm. the ones with the craziest resumes uh, in, in combat. You yeah. know, that, so you it, might be then, good at doing but not teaching. Teaching is a yeah. special skill. A lot of people actually born naturally uh, being able to be better teachers, not in every uh, um area necessarily right you have to have an aptitude for that particular thing that you're teaching but yeah some people are better at doing uh, but not very good teachers and some people are better at teaching but not very good doers (laughs) yeah right yeah i can give you an example uh instructor that i recently was uh lucky enough to spend a couple of days with was tatiana whitlock Mm. Um, okay tatiana is about that big (laughs) <laughs> but she is amazing mm-hmm. and um for me to check my ego which you know I, I, life has kicked the hell out of me a couple of times and uh so it, it has helped me to learn that lesson uh i went into the class with an open mind and what i learned for her was outstanding um she's an amazing shot and, and she's an even more impressive shooter um and even a better instructor 
the things that we went over in just a very brief time let me know what a high caliber instructor she is. Mm-hmm. And um, man, some people would look at that and like, I don't want to learn from a chick. And, and that's just, that's the worst kind of attitude that you can possibly have because mm-hmm. there are some absolute quality instructors out there. Yeah, I would agree yeah. with that. And I don't want to take anything away from Tatiana Whitlock. However, I think that smaller people are often better uh, shooters, fighters, lots of different things. From being, because you know, I mean, sometimes when you're a bigger person, you 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 you're a bigger target. You know, you don't so, actually have to fight for your life too often. <laughs> I had a I had a gym coach that told me one one time when I was in uh, grade school. He said, Sean. He said, because uh, I was having a lot of problems because I was the the tallest guy in the class. So mm-hmm. I was ended up getting in fights because I was the big guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the gym coach told me, he said, Sean, he said, little guys are twice as mean as big guys because if they're, if big guys were as mean as little guys, there wouldn't be any little guys left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was his yeah. philosophy. Yeah, you, you got to look out for the, the, the small people. But then yeah. also like in, in a lot of situations, smaller target, all that kind of stuff. So... You know, uh, don't ever judge a book by its cover. All right, what were you gonna say? What were you gonna say, Shannon? Sorry. Oh no, I oh I couldn't see Sean. I lost the little screen. I didn't have oh. my. <laughs> oh okay, he's still there. He's uh, still there. Um, I'm also getting involved with creating um, just to that same point of giving women information ahead of time. I've partnered mm-hmm. with Brian Searcy down in Texas on a program called Left of Bang that goes. That's a program for women to be able to um, spend time in mental mindset and situational awareness uh, before you even get to the conversation of what defense weapon you want. So, so again, having the conversations about um, what non-lethal and lethal weapons so women another difference between men and women men men are just like guns you know and women are kind of like well can we work our way up to a gun can i have a you know pepper spray and and the truth is there are gun-free zone environments where you're a soft target Mm -hmm. whether that be a church school or a home with small children that you're not ready to bring in a firearm to so um another program i'm involved in and that'll be a part of the the series off my podcast is a um, is a series of training um, uh, videos for women, bringing bringing uh, situational awareness, critical thinking, and helping them to get to a point where they can decide what it is they actually do want for a threat action plan mm-hmm. and what kind of defense or what they want, whether it's lethal or not. Mm-hmm. Anyway, lots of well different. Too, by the way, say that What's again. That? Left the bank. An amazing book too, by the way exact same concept of um, we often invest a lot of time in hard skills like punching, kicking, jujitsu, shooting, but um, so often if we just paid attention to the world around us (laughs) and learn to read that baseline and aberrations from baseline, we could avoid conflicts altogether. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I know you know that because you're a detective. So you sit and watch how people just walk around clueless. Uh, They're in a bubble going Mm -hmm. out to their car when, you know, everyone's on their phone. They're not, they're not situational aware. So, so much could be avoided. And, and again, again, you asked me what the difference is with men and women. I feel like women, you know, they want their, there's many are so scared of guns. It's like, okay, well, let's just backpedal. Let's get, let's get the conversation going earlier. So, um, uh, again, I'm going to be doing this. Um, and, uh, it, it's just, a, it's a different, it's a different human. <laughs> women just think a little differently and need mm-hmm, sure. more information. Yeah. I, uh, I think that a lot of people, 
I know my dad always said it to me this way, you know, women are not just differently shaped men. No. You know, but we yeah. sometimes we tend to think like that. Yeah. Yeah. Men do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, probably the women know we're totally different creatures. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you're different already. Yeah. <laughs> but we love you. We well, can't live without you. I mean, that's what I what I say to that is if women are goddesses, you know, why are they coming down and messing around with just the regular dudes, you know, the savages? <laughs> like, you know, why? <laughs> you know? If you're watching if if you watch Wonder Woman and you see all the awesome Amazonian babes over there yeah. and there's no dudes, okay, that 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 seems but, really hey. great in a movie. <laughs> The, the yeah. Get yeah, yeah, but uh, one the the guy who would get no dates in regular society would basically be the king of that situation. Right, I, I promise yeah. you. In a very short period of time, I want to shout out John Crump. I see him in the chat. Uh, shout out to John. I know we were doing a bunch of stuff um, before. Uh, let's see. So, what kind of stuff is going through you guys' minds here? Like what? Like right now, everything going on in the world. You know, this time of year. Uh, I, I see Shannon's got her nice uh, Christmas tree and everything going on back there. What's going, what's, yeah, here, let me go full screen on that so we can show it off. There you go. Okay, Sean, do you have a Christmas tree back there? You got any Christmas I stuff? I do, it's upstairs though. Okay, there you go. So what uh, What exactly, what are the things on you guys' minds right now? What's the, the big things? Go ahead, Shannon, ladies first. Well, I'm, I'm super... Um, you know, we all are missing SHOT Show. All of us in kind of the tactical industry are, are mm. feeling that loss of that camaraderie and mm. that coming together once a year of like, what what's our purpose this year? What are we going to push this year? And I feel like a lot of people, just like everyone else in business, are they're having to pivot mm -hmm. and change and repurpose themselves in this crazy, weird new world. Yeah. Tactical is no different. Now, the weird thing about tactical, though, is we just... I mean, I hate to say it, it's 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 negative how it came to us, but we just had the biggest PR campaign ta an industry could ever have with, mm -hmm. with meaning that all of a sudden everybody's like tactical, 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 you mm -hmm. know, it used to be reserved for law enforcement military with SHOT Show. And now all of a sudden you've got, you know, Joanne down the street going, Shannon, how do I use this AR? <laughs> My husband bought me a Glock. Mm -hmm. Where is the school for that? And mm -hmm. I'm like. Oh my God. You know, mm -hmm. so you've got the average person, not even a conservative, left or right. I don't care. It is not a left or right conversation. It is everybody. Because mm -hmm. I'm in Portland, and the one thing I learned being in Portland, running classes out of Tri Camp Gun Club, mm -hmm. left love their guns as much as the right. Mm -hmm. And so you have all these people jumping to 2000, uh, 2021 in the tactical industry. And these are like civilians who've never been here before. Anyway, so I feel like right now what's on my mind has been kind of camping, laying low, uh, because I was dealing with some drama with Antifa earlier mm -hmm. this year and mm -hmm. other dynamics. So laying low, repurposing my mission and my services, products, and my effort. And I feel like going into 2021, what, uh, what, where I can do the most help is creating a platform to, to speak from. Um, like I said, the podcast, mine's going to be uh, Shannon Monahan, Stop, Listen, Shoot. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm running that out of um, or uh, Oregon. And um, bringing information to the public. Yeah, I think so that's, I feel like that's going to be great for you doing a podcast, not just for people, but it's going to be great for you because you need to express yourself. I don't know if you've ever heard that. 
Look at those hands. Yeah. But so let me ask you this, because I was thinking about this while you were, Lola wanted me to ask you something about Portland. My question about everything that went down in Portland, what kind of toll did that really take on you? Like, what price do you think you've paid for all the stuff we saw happening through this year in Portland? Like you personally, if from me what you can tell us, yeah. Friendships. Friendships. 30 year really. relationships with people who I've, I've, I've been in business 25 years in this city, downtown Portland. I've been, I work in New York and Miami and LA with all the kinds of work I do, but I've lifted up so many women and good friends. And then to see them turn on me because I like Trump and I put guns on my Instagram and, 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 oh. uh, and I'm not aggressive, mind you. I'm, I don't judge. I love everyone. My, my daughter's a big Bernie supporter. <laughs> what's your, what's your Instagram right now? I'm going to make sure that myself and, uh, some of the some of the folks out here will follow you on Instagram. What is it? Yeah, follow me on Shannon Monahan. I'm, I've got the Red Frog team, Red Frog women, but Shannon Monahan, S H A N N O N. I think Monahan. I might be following you on there already. Let's see. Shannon Monahan, follow me. I'm uh, going to be launching the podcast. Okay, let's see. Is this maybe this might be your bubbly face on here? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. When you go, yeah. So, do you want all these people following you? I don't know if you want yeah. if you want all these people. Uh, yeah. I, if you see me blowing off a buffalo, that was me yesterday. Yeah, that's what I. Wait, hold on a second. Okay, blow. Okay, she, that means actually blowing off with an air hose, people, before everyone gets crazy. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> okay, okay. Freudian, Freudian slips. <laughs> That's all right. You don't have okay. to be. You don't have to be. You have no idea, Shannon. Right now, I'm on best behavior because Lola. You know, Lola really likes you. So I'm trying to be on best behavior right now. I don't want to get in trouble with Lola. My mother-in-law, we live out in the log. We have some log houses. In the We're hanging a buffalo uh -huh. head and I uh, got the air compressor I was, out. Yeah, I'm showing it. Fluffing the hair before we put it back up and getting the cobwebs yeah. off. Yeah, so, let's just uh, say dusting, dusting. Dusting, yeah. So another, <laughs> Yeah, that yeah, that's a big buffalo head oh, right there. My platform, uh, my platform. As I speak of these things, like <laughs> that's cute. That's training, cute. You're going to be able to go off of Red Frog. Red Frog's my store. Red Frog yeah. Women, Red Frog Men Team, Red Frog Team. Red, so think of it like yeah. Cabela's. I'm going to say Red that's Frog nice work on that buffalo right there. Right, we hung it up. It looked gorgeous with a yeah. That was a lot of it, and, and people almost died hanging it. It was a three man job, and my mother, and I'm like, no, 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 we can do it. I was no help. I was the third man, and I was like, all I could do was scream and get out of the way as the buffalo started going backwards. <laughs> it is not easy hanging a buffalo on a ladder. Uh, 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 I don't think. It, yeah, I don't think it would be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's probably lighter than you would think, but I don't, but still, it's Light, massive. Yeah. Awkward and, and on a tall ladder, uh, awkward. Yes. Yes. Um, so hopefully some people out there will go go follow you there um, on on Instagram. So how so Lola wanted to know how based on everything that happened last year, how did the elections go in Portland? Was it exactly what everyone expected? Right along same political lines. Yeah, the, ele the elections. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I'm actually interested in running for governor. To be honest, I'd really? like to run against Brown in two years. If that woman can run our town into the ground like this, I, I, I'll give it a go. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I've talked to some people about that. I've been joking about it, but at this point, I'm like, no, why not? 
I, I've lived in Portland, Oregon, 52 years. I, I've I've started companies. I've raised capital. I've um, raised children. I've mm -hmm. you know I've worked in all sorts of industries there. And I, yeah. my God, I I'm think you could do it. Honey bunches says we love you, Shannon. So there you go. Um, Good. But I would Good. I would definitely vote for you to be governor, even though I don't live there. I suggest you uh, show the Buffalo thing. That will help. You know, that could yeah. go a long way. <laughs> I'm not even going to talk about the Buffalo. Anymore. No. <laughs> so oh, once you get political now, you can't discuss the Buffalo. The Buffalo now is going to be pushed off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hide the Buffalo away. But um, yeah, it, it's affected me tremendously because mm -hmm. I've, I've saw. So Oregon is a stunning state. Mm -hmm. We have a Colorado's beautiful. I I've, was a Delta flight attendant for years, international flight mm -hmm. attendant right out of college mm -hmm. after I graduated from U of O. And I got to get out of Oregon. I didn't want to be in or, you know, you're 21 and you're like, yeah, I'm out. I want to live <laughs> somewhere else. OK. And then I went and saw the rest of the world. And I was like, my God, Oregon is stunning. Yeah. You can go to the mountains, you can go to the beach, you can have desert and snow, you can have mm -hmm. rain and forests, you can have rivers, you can fish. I'm a big fisher person. I love I love fishing. I love um, shooting guns. I love hiking. We have it all. And, just, and Portland is a charming city. Culinary-wise, it outdoes New York, Miami, and L.A. The culinary um, world of Portland is fantastic. The, mm -hmm. the restaurant and everything. But this whole weird culture that's going in this direction of San Francisco and, and enabling and the home, yeah, it's gotten so awful. To mm -hmm. see to the point it's gotten to right now uh, is horrifying. Businesses boarded up. That you know, it's just you know, homeless camps everywhere, and these aren't these aren't cute, the cute homeless of yesteryear in Portland. We used to be like, oh, the cute, you know, we had kind of like people we could help it. We now it's they've legalized drugs here on a, <laughs> on a level that's horrifying, mm -hmm. you know, and and so these are like aggressive. Uh, my neighbor got slashed and killed on um, the oh, Max man. train. Why he killed two um, slashed his throat. He approached someone, and the guy, you know slipped in the neck of two people and one mm. was my neighbor. Wow. These are Sorry to hear that. homeless. Mm. And and you think it would never happen in lovely Portland, but it's gotten to these, these homeless are, it's aggressive drug addicts and it's dangerous. Mm. And it's, it's sad to see. Um, I think I'm, my spirit is, my spirit is crushed a little bit. Lola, I know you're back there. You'll be on my podcast. We'll get you front and center here. Absolutely. Second, that would be great. <laughs> my spirit is crushed by my friends who've judged me for kind of slowly coming out and talking about my, uh, whether it be my faith, my, you know, my tactical. I was embarrassed. I, I did Red Frog because I was embarrassed that I own a women-owned small business that had to do with guns. So I put the men for front and forward and put them on Instagram and I hid behind as the woman who owned the company, funded the company, and I hid because I was embarrassed because it was in Portland. And so now I'm just like, no, I, <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm mad I did that for so long. Be loud and be proud. You're on the right course right now. I think a lot of folks out there would be happy to support you. I, I don't think, you know, you can tell me what you think about this, Sean. I don't think enough people, like good folks out there, want to run for office. We need we need more people actually running for office, right? There's, I, I think the, the, the career politicians out there are, are one of the biggest problems that's bringing everything down around us, including yeah. uh, including on the right. Yeah, and, and to echo uh, kind of the antithesis of what Shannon is pointing out, um, both sides are guilty of 
castigating and shaming people for coming out and expressing their values. Mm-hmm. And, and we have risen to such a level of invective anymore that we don't bother with having a polite conversation about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people are going to uh, say to Shannon, no, sorry, I can't be your friend anymore because yeah. you have these beliefs. And uh, people on the right are going to say to people, well, you're uh, whatever on the left. I can't, I can't deal with you. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, Hank, like you're saying, if more people get involved and if they step up and they say, hey, um, I'm willing to do something about this as opposed to just complaining about it on the social media platforms that we have, maybe that might affect some change. Um, I'm a little skeptical because I feel like we've never been at a place like this in our history where we've been so divided with the exception of perhaps the Civil War. Hmm. Taking action. So my podcast is about not just stopping and looking what's going on, listening to educated um, experts, but but shooting, you know, shooting with your mouth, shooting with a gun, whatever, taking action. So when I kept seeing Newtown and the active shooter, I mean, there was a there was the begin when I started the company in 2016, there was an active shooting happening. Every week, it was yep. horrifying, and and people kept saying, "Oh my gosh, get rid of guns, get rid of guns!" And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, there's so much more conversation to this." And taking action for us meant creating threat assessments for schools. Now, to my horror, people those weren't even well received. Like mm-hmm. people still wanted to just talk about the gun thing. I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" So it's like if you're gonna if you're gonna complain, take try and do what you can to take action mm-hmm. and and the world a better place or if you can't do it find others that can and and get into that conversation so i think i'm a person um who has had their spirit crushed for many reasons over the years and my way to respond to it is like well pick up your bootstraps take action you can only control yourself so do what you can do mm-hmm. in your little tiny way to make a difference in your community. And my way of doing it has always been that from the, a place of kindness. And I want to talk about complicated subjects. And I do um, like that, you know, starting the company, talking about active shooting, you know, people don't want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. What happened? Yep. But as a flight attendant, when you got on my airplane, we talked about what to do if the plane crashed every single time. Mm-hmm, and right. people got used to it and they had a plan. Mm-hmm. And so I want to take that same, um, you know, you know, concierging of difficult information into this world of like we did with Active Shooter. I want to talk about human trafficking. I think people don't under that's a lot of people are talking about that right now and they don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. They think it's children all you know there's it's girls it's you know there's all well it is little children but i'm, I'm just saying there's so much more to that conversation oh, it's a, and they're yeah. like what can, I do? what can i do and globally it's horrible but mm-hmm. in the u.s there's still things you can do as a uh, a, a, a civilian to help with that i think people just don't want to talk about yucky things and those things are hard to talk about but the more we talk about those scary things those fear-centric things the more we'll understand and have more sophisticated conversations instead of mm-hmm. aggressive divisiveness. Mm-hmm. So if that's the little role I can play, at least here in Portland, Oregon, where it's incredibly divisive, um, that's that's my journey for two, 2021. It sounds like you're not like running away from Portland. I, I was going to run away when okay. you guys saw me down. I was running yeah, away. Yeah, that's what you I sounded sh- like when we were talking. I was like, okay, she's out of there. I was docked by Antifa. Mm-hmm. So and because of my old partner, who I removed from the company, who had issues of gargantuan proportion, one of those 
people. Mm-hmm. Um, he 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 did a stunt in Portland that that didn't represent his community well and his resume well. It it was uh, I'd already. Uh, terminated my relationship with him personally and professionally, but Antifa came after me mm-hmm. and they docked, They put me on Twitter. They put me my home address. They threatened to kill me. That was oh. going on on an extreme level. Uh, when you've been docked, um, it's like being eaten by rabid dogs alive nonstop for days. And they come, they, they, they don't care about the truth. They mm-hmm. don't care. I was, terrified. I, I gathered people that mattered to me, put them on a plane, and we went down and stayed in Coronado with some active Navy SEAL families. I was that scared. The police couldn't help me. They're like, yeah, yeah, welcome to our world. You know, they're wow. like, welcome to our world. They're kind of like, you know, and, and it's the most horrible thing in the world. And I was terrified. And that's why I did turn Red Frog off for a little bit because it came after Red Frog. They said I was training militia. They're like, oh, you train militia and train Python. I'm like, no, I'm not. We're training women and nice people and helping law enforcement, you know, but they don't care. Mm-hmm. They don't care. They they come after you and they eat your face off mm-hmm. and they eat the face off of anyone associated with you. So when you met me, it was me running away for a minute to catch my breath. Mm-hmm. And then I came back and I'm like, um, I, 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 I decided I'm not going to get bullied. I'm not going to get bullied. This is a beautiful state. There's so many good people here. I'm not giving up. I really was ready to give up uh, on Oregon. And then I came back and it's too beautiful to give up on. And there's too many good people. I just think they don't have a leader. We have bad leaders. We've elected bad leaders in Oregon and in Portland. And, and so what I think needs to happen is the lifetime uh, people in Oregon that care about Oregon, like me, we need to take action. Can't just whine about it. Mm-hmm. Can't point the finger and go, ah, you've actually got to do something. So I'm like, okay, Shannon, here we go again. I got to buck up and change course and, and actually take action on, on this. Mm-hmm. And, um, I probably won't win if I run for governor. It's, it's a very left state. I don't know if it'll, <laughs> the city is incredibly embedded, but you know, why not try and open up the conversation? Just let's, let's start talking about you know, let's take action. If we're complaining, let's take action and at least talk. You, you never know. I don't, I, I wouldn't say that you can't, that you probably wouldn't win or something like that. You, you never know what would happen. You never know. Yeah, you never know. And, and the people might, uh, in two years from now, the people might have gotten to the point where I think they realize what they've uh, brought upon themselves. What they do you think, yeah. I yeah. think it could. Could. Yeah, it's 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 not extreme in Portland and it's not dying down. I think other cities have, you know, I talk to people in other cities and they're like, you know, what problem? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, we're back in a more extreme lockdown. We've got insanity going on. I pulled into the parking lot with this lady hitting my car. She had no shoes on. No. And this is in the nicer community in Clackamas. And they're they're kind of spreading out, kind of like the fires. Uh, when we had the fires, that was a whole, I could talk an hour about the fires in mm-hmm. Portland, but that's another conversation. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's um, it's a it's a long-term plan with Portland. It may die down here eventually, but um, I think they conjure it in Portland. The, Portland is a weird little place yeah. and it scares me. Uh, it scares me too. But outside yeah. is great. And I've never, great. I've never been there. And I'm like, oh, this is, you know, this is like this weird experiment that someone's running to see what, how much can they get away with in America. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And we are the, we're the experiment, and it's, it's going to be the mecca. The problem is they're coming from outside of Portland. 
there these people are it's like the the mothership for the movement of whatever that movement may be you know and uh they're coming from outside so you have people who aren't even from here doing the most damage to the city and then the city people who are leading the city allowing it yeah and not backing their police in Multnomah County the police are you know their their hands are tied yeah. it's lord of the, it's lord of the flies so. I, I promise you that can't happen everywhere in America no no but it it's unfortunately can here right yeah now. there's some places that are ripe for that you know just certain things that are going on, uh, the perfect storm taking place, and, and that kind of stuff is going on there. All right, Sean, let me let me give you an opportunity here. Tell us, because, you know, you, you let Shannon go first here. Um, now, I don't know if you're going to run for governor, so I don't know if you're going to, you know, hit us with more awesome stuff than Shannon, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> well, I'd like to say, first off, that's a very tough act to follow. Um, here in Portland anybody <laughs> yeah um, for me 2020 has been um, man it, it, it's been unsettling in a lot of ways um, mm-hmm. as a career law enforcement I also consider myself to be an amateur sociologist because I see trends and I see things that are happening like, uh, you know, Shen spoke about homeless and, um, we have homeless population here. Uh, we also have delegalized uh, marijuana and a, a huge portion. Now I, I'm not a scientist and I'm not a professional sociologist, but a huge portion of homeless folks are dealing with some kind of mental issues that they're, they're challenged with. And oftentimes they seek narcotics to deal with those. Um, so that in itself creates its own issue. We can go back to the root of that from the 70s when a lot of hospitals and a lot of nursing homes were no longer kept running mm-hmm. because they were functional. And so a lot of folks are not getting the kind of help that they need. Now, uh, not, I'm not going to jump off on some uh, uh socialist rant here about um, offering free health care to folks, but there, there's a cost for that. And, and one of the things that happened is law enforcement started picking up the check again because there weren't systems that were out there to deal with folks. And so they would run afoul of the law and then law enforcement would be called to deal with them. And they were not, law enforcement is always wholly reactive. And it usually takes about a decade sometimes to figure out what we're dealing with and then figure out a proper response for it. So, um, so that, that's just one of the issues that we're facing. Um, but I, I think for me, just the things that I have seen this year between the pandemic, between, uh, the red flag laws, between, uh, the rise of Biden, I know that sounds like a, a new star Wars movie, but, um, I have been very reflective in, um, I wanted to say get angry at first and think about all the things that are screwed up this year, but I've been humbled and I'm being more appreciative of the things that are not screwed up this year. And the thing that I've come away with is um, somewhat of a simile. If, if you take a piece of plywood and you throw it in the yard in the grass and you leave it sit there for a while, come back a couple months later and you pick that up. You'll be amazed that even though there's no water, there's no sun, uh, something is growing under there. Mm -hmm. And and that has been my philosophy for 2020. I'm going to, under the cover of darkness and keeping safe, (laughs) sheltering from home, Uh I'm going to continue 
to grow. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I've done that. You know, mm-hmm. we don't have SHOT Show this year. Mm-hmm. But because I produce content for a lot of different audiences through through various publishers, I've been reaching out to companies um, and telling them, hey, what do you have coming out this year? I'd love to help you guys out, get the word out, do the normal thing that we would do. But the title of my article might be something more like top 10 things you didn't see at shop show this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just appreciative, man. We, we've, we in my family have faced a lot of challenges this year. And um, despite how difficult they have been, we've been, we've done well. And uh, it's not, a lot of people have not been as fortunate. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just, I'm respectful of that. And I'm appreciative of that. And uh, uh, I'm hoping that 2021 you know, I, I know that a lot of people think that there's a checkered flag at, at December. <laughs> we go into New Year's, but um, it's not going to be that way. No. The challenges, they're just going to change yeah. and we're going to have to adapt to them. But, yeah. man. And, and that, that boost that everyone has been getting in the industry from everyone buying everything, that might completely flip over when we go into the next year. You know, that super hot – because – you know, to be honest with you, in the in, in this industry, people have still been rocking and rolling, making money, lots of different things. Yeah. Trainers, people making ammo, selling guns, uh, everyone. Yeah, I've I've been I have not taken any kind of real breaks this whole time. We've just been going, 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 going. Um, but all a lot of that could flip. I mean, there's still stuff happening out there in the world. Uh, from what I'm hearing from the folks in the chat, and even on my phone, my phone is like blowing up while, while you guys are talking here. Uh, ATF is raiding people still. Yep. So there's more people getting raided <laughs> right now um, right. as we speak. So we're getting ready to go into one cr- crazy hell of a year. So think about it. And, and like you're talking about being, you know, learning how to rock and roll, all these things happening. If you thought 2020 was bad, 2021, 2022 might make you think, man, remember those yeah. good old times in 2020? <laughs> Locked down for COVID. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I did a post on Instagram the other day where I, I presented a tombstone in a, in a graveyard. And um, the, the person that was dying was or dead was the gun review. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I saw that. If you think about that, just conceptually, it's like, Okay, right now I have um, I have a good amount of ammo on board, but it's my ammo. It's the ammo that I keep in house to keep my family safe, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not going to dip into that ammo, mm-hmm. but uh, the people who are producing ammo are getting it at such a an incredible rate that they're not holding aside anything for people who conduct those gun reviews, mm-hmm. and and it's getting tougher to get your hands on ammo. Like if, uh, if I find a store that has it locally, I can buy one box and that's it. Mm-hmm. So that's oh. going to be another challenge. Go ahead, Shane. Oh, I was just going to say, and that's the challenge with tactical training. Most of our yeah. classes are mm-hmm. 300 rounds. I, I, I had no right. idea COVID was coming in March. I blew through all this ammo of my personal ammo, getting the guys ready to start running classes March 20th, the right. day after my birthday. And that's when everything shut down. And and I blow through my ammo, and yeah. I'm like, wait, 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 no, that, that wasn't supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And people don't want to take classes or a, a good solid 400 round class and blow through their ammo. So then we're dealing with um, 
you know, what, what do you do? Do you just shoot 22? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, Caltech in Florida, my friends at Caltech, I did a commercial for them with a little CP33 that shot, you know, shoots 22s. I'm like, well, we can pull out the 22s. Like, you know, it's just, it's like, what do you do? So you're in this weird conundrum with training and guns mm-hmm. and all those stuff. With no ammo. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Go ahead. But eventually, that's going to have to change, and we're going to have to resume uh, or get back into uh, some evolved form of what it is that we were doing previously. Um, I think the demand for firearms, uh, since now it has uh, encompassed basically everyone in our society, uh, has gotten so huge. I think the smart thing for us to do, uh, Shannon, like things that you're doing, proselytize the Second Amendment, mm-hmm. outreach, um, bring people on board. You've got a gun now, mm-hmm. but you don't know the incredible responsibility necessarily that, that comes with that firearm. Um, here are the laws that will be uh, used to judge your actions. Uh, here are your responsibilities, uh, and um, here's how to safely handle your weapon. And, and that's huge because the more people that we bring on board to the Second Amendment, right, as a, as a banner, not not left, not right, but a Second Amendment banner where everybody gets on board and they're like, okay, yeah, we don't want you messing with our Second Amendment rights. Mm-hmm. All I of think, us. I think that's that's a good strategy for this year. Yeah, I think yeah. we I think we just regardless of uh, what situation we're in, we just all need to learn how to adapt, and there's nothing wrong with adapting. Uh, one of the things I so look, even if you have ammo, even if you you, you know you've got stuff to shoot and all that. I don't think there's a high interest in that versus these other things that are going on. These other, you know, the other stuff that's happening out there is more primary in, in, or in the front of people's minds, and they want to see that. So I've seen that even though we've got a ton of really cool videos shooting stuff, when I put those things up there, not only is YouTube suppressing them, but people are not as interested, right? And folks out there are interested in what's going on. So I think it's a good time to switch what we all do, you know, and figure out how to do some reviews where you don't have to shoot stuff. Like, what's the other things you should be buying? You know, when, like, so for example, I've done, uh, I've gotten some steel. If you, if you can't buy ammo and you have the ability oh. to put stuff on your range, get some steel or... You know, figure out how to do something else in defending yourself that doesn't necessitate uh, ammo. Uh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say I'm coming out with steel targets. My, we, oh, uh, our family, metal fabrication company, and my. So that was another thing. I'm like, well, what can we do this year that's different? So we're going to produce still Red Frog steel targets, oh, and yeah. uh, uh, targets for specific to women. I, again, it's a different. We like to play differently on the range, and so I'm coming out with some stuff for that. So steel targets. Um, Pivoting and adapting is going to be 2021. I think we all got shoved into pivoting and adapting and told how to do it. Mm -hmm. I think now we're all like, all right, we got to be nimble. We don't Mm -hmm. know what's coming next. Mm -hmm. So preparedness and preparedness might just be how do I deal with my kids at home all day? Mm -hmm. Um, My kids are home. Thank God. I have the most compassion for parents who have to be working remotely and teach and have their kids (laughs) take school remotely thank god my kids are in college (laughs) and they're older but but like oh my goodness i have such compassion for those parents that's just the hardest i don't know if you're that in that situation Uh, my my boys are grown they're in college but uh it's tough to get them to do the classes (laughs) that's the thing you know they stay up playing video games too late and then they don't you know they don't do their classes uh so let me get to this real quick here um 
with everything going on, I know Crump is saying that there's multiple places getting raided. So ATF is hitting a lot of people. Um, you know, uh, he says they're using uh, SEL stuff, specifically things that say suppressor silencer, um, or if you're selling uh, suppressor parts. I think people were talking about uh, diversified. Uh, what was it? I think I pulled it up here. Um, diversified machine got hit, and I think it looks like the when I look at their when I look at their site, which I can roll in for you guys here. It looks like they make definitely parts for suppressors um and probably suppressors but they've got some other stuff yeah listen I, I keep trying to tell you guys if you think that um 2020 is going out quietly here it is not going out remember you've got an administration coming in and people in the atf that were left over from uh, the previous administration and that were never dealt with inside of there and now they're trying to make their bones so that they get jobs going into this next one we're yeah. gonna this is what we're gonna see it's gonna be really bad um, and we we probably really need to uh, be prepared to do a lot of uh, fighting in the in the time that's coming up in front of us here if we want to yeah. keep these rights that we have Hank it kind of seems like they've tapped into that vein and it, it I'm just interpreting it from a law enforcement standpoint. It seems like they've tapped into this vein where they feel like the, what is it? The buy, build and shoot kits mm -hmm. um, where they feel like they're going to root all, all of those out. I would mm -hmm. imagine that. Yeah. If you, if you bought one of those, if you interacted with any of those companies, the ATF is probably. Yeah. And, the, and if they're, yeah. So I think with uh, Polymer 80, that's what they were looking for. Right. Uh, they were, but they got computers that got people's information. Um, they're trying to settle. Uh, John Crump did some stuff on this. Right. Biden called up the ATF, said, hey, what's on the top of your list? They said braces and 80 percent lowers. You can see them uh, going in that direction with Polymer 80 and then definitely with the braces of the stuff that's coming out. And then also there's the solvent traps and things like that. All the workarounds that maybe they haven't gone after it, this, this is what they're going to go after. I'm not agreeing with it. I think it's terrible what's happening. But ultimately here, and, and I had this conversation already on the main channel. And, you know, I plan with these guys to come on, so I don't want to completely sidetrack that. But we need <laughs> we need to stop doing whatever we were doing before. It goes right back to the conversation we were just having. If you've been doing things all this time and it's not working, so I would just say doing things like calling your congressman or whatever right. and that's not working. Now we need to switch over to something. We need to start suing. We need to start seeing what's going on where we live. Do we live in a place that's actually going to stand up for us? You know, uh, and we need to think about that. I like the idea of sanctuary counties that's going on, two A sanctuary counties that's going on around the country. People need to think about that, but that needs to be enforced by your sheriff. You know, if you're in that position where you've got a, a, a sheriff of your county that stands with you on the Second Amendment, and you need to shore up your your neighborhoods, your counties you live in, your states, and then build all of that out. Stop voting for politicians just because they're Republicans. They don't believe in the Constitution. Don't support them. It doesn't. Don't let them scare you with, oh, the Democrats are going to do worse. Okay, we need to have the right people um, that really believe in the Constitution and understand why the Second Amendment is so important. And we need to take the time. We may have to work for that. If there's folks like Shannon and other people out there that are willing to step up and do this and we understand, hey, these are people on our side, then we're going to have to work and help them do that. 
It's not just going to be like, oh, good for you. <laughs> you have to actually get up there and fight. That's what I'm talking about. And ultimately, I am talking about you might have to actually fight for your uh, right to defend yourself in this country. It's probably going to come down to that some point soon. Yeah, I don't want to I don't want to take this whole thing over with that. And then also, I think Lola has been reminding everyone that I'm not going to be here tomorrow. We'll be back uh, Monday. I believe we're coming back and we'll, we'll we'll get into all of that. I promise you there'll be more craziness going on that we could talk about here. I really wanted to focus on these guys. I hope uh, Shannon and Sean that you'll come back. Sean, you come back. You know, we've treated you pretty terrible when you come here, man. We're always getting into something crazy. Uh, Shannon, I don't know. I don't know. She might leave us and go run for governor. Are you kidding? She's got an opportunity to express herself. She'll be here. I'll be here. Yeah. Lola from behind the curtain, though, and get her to talk. Oh, absolutely. Nobody puts Lola in the corner. Don't put Lola in the corner. No, she's not. I love Lola. Lola. I love her too. I don't know why everyone feels they need to remind me. <laughs> no, no, I get it. I get the sisterhood. Understood. Understood. I know. I know. You're probably you're probably Lola's favorite person from that trip that we went on. So. I was so happy to have her there. It, it, I've been in the man world, and I love the man world, and I love mm -hmm. all that. But when there's someone to connect with that, you know, as a female also in the world, it's very nice. And so it was delightful to hang out with her. I can't argue that. I would rather hang out with the ladies than the dudes. Sorry. <laughs> you know, we all go that route. Let's do this, though, before we uh, before we wrap this up. And Lola says, love you, Shannon, XOXOXOXO. All that stuff is going on here. Let's go. Let's start with Sean and get Sean. If you could tell the folks out here if they want to follow up with you, if they have questions, they want to see what you're up to, support you. What can the folks out there do to uh, support you? Yeah, absolutely. I'm on Instagram primarily. Uh, Ludus Integritas is my handle there. Um, uh, mostly broadcast at Twitter and Facebook. You can catch my articles on police1.com, pewpewtactical.com, guns.com, uh, the American Survival Guide print. Uh, pick up a copy of the recent Glock annual that just got released yesterday, I think. And um, and that's where you can catch me yeah i'm gonna roll i'm gonna roll in your uh instagram channel i see you threw up a picture of me over there gorgeous absolutely gorgeous gorgeous dude uh, ar15.com one of the largest uh i think the largest gun community uh on the net in the world 500,000 subscribers and 100,000 subscribers on youtube i have uh some videos coming out there some interesting stuff and um i'll be adapting as ammo runs dry over yeah, absolutely. Please do go support Sean. Um, Thank you, you know, I appreciate I appreciate you guys doing that. When you go over there, let him know you found out about him here on the podcast. All right, Shannon. Shannon, you can, can find folks me do? right now. And we're pivoting a little bit here with my new podcast, but Shannon Monahan on Facebook or Instagram is kind of my private but public, you know, persona where where, where you can find me all the time. Red Frog is my store, tactical gear. Uh, tactical training calendar in apparel. It's going to be reopened again on January 1st. It's redfrogteam.com. That's also redfrogteam on Instagram. Um, I just started redfrogwomen on Instagram for a little bit more content centric to women only. Um, and then the podcast will be Shannon Monahan Stop, Listen, Shoot. Now that will be launching here in January. Awesome. But just find me at Shannon Monahan. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, 
Yes, please do go out there and uh, support that. By the way, uh, Armament and Axis says Lola's the best. Hank is lucky to have her. Uh, yesterday, I'll tell you guys a quick story before we get out of here. Yesterday, I had to go do a sleep study. Lola took me over there. I was so annoying to her. She was like, you know what? I'm glad that you have to go in here for your appointment because I can't take any more. <laughs> I know a little bit about this because I, I was in the room next to you. <laughs> I know a little bit about that too, and I'm not saying anything. Uh-oh. But I'm not going to say more because it's not going to be We had the worst sleeping experience. Well, not together, but like, I mean, just... Okay, okay, Shannon. <laughs> I, I rented a room in Raton, New Mexico the second night. Yeah, was that me? Was I disturbing you? That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm was it me? I don't think it was me. It couldn't be me. I had my sleep machine with me. It, was, it definitely wasn't me. I on in your room, but I was so cold with that that, oh, yeah. that, that, that blanket that was like a piece of paper. For right, blanket. right. That place was torture. <laughs> Yeah. I came out of there and I was so well rested the next morning. I was it was amazing. I was walking out to the car and I look over and I see Michael Bain yeah. rolling out to his car. And I'm like, that guy's been around a long time. He knows how to get it done. I should have been following his lead from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty bad, but that wasn't me though. I I have a sleep machine. I just needed to go in and so they can uh recertify me or something like that for my but i know i know how it is man it was pretty tough yeah sean was commuting every day instead of staying out there oh yeah. my goodness it was yeah. worth it so yeah. worth it yeah so he can get wow. some sleep but yeah. yeah it was pretty wild we'll tell you guys stories here in the future when we come back we'll be here we i don't think we're gonna get i don't know i don't want to say we're gonna we're, we're not gonna get rated by the atf they're pretty much rating everybody so who knows we'll just deal with it when it happens <laughs> All right, listen, thanks so much for everyone for coming in. Shannon from uh, Red Frog Team, I appreciate you coming in. Sean from Ludus Integritas. Did I get you got it? it man. You nailed Boom. it. Okay, that was totally accidental that I even got that. Uh, <laughs> thanks to all you guys. We're not going to be on tomorrow. We will be back Monday. Stay right there, everyone. Don't go anywhere. I'm just going to run in the end of the show right now. All right, make sure you guys smash the subscribe button, ring the bell so you can be notified every time we go live. Uh, we are going to rip out the audio from this and throw it up on iTunes and all the other places you get your audio podcasts. I really appreciate everyone hanging out with us and, and for these guys coming in. Big thanks to Franklin Armory for sponsoring the show. Who wants the last word here before we get out? Who wants it? Shannon, it's go all ahead. you. It's all you. Got just it. go for it. I'm just, I'll just, you talk and I'll just be dramatic with my hands. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so happy that the conversations are happening. And across the country, I think we all feel like we're in this little bubble. Mm -hmm. And I think right now, like, like the circle bar at SHOT Show, when we get to connect everyone in their own little world in one place, I feel like this is, this is just an example of the new circle bar. And uh, just so people... It, no, Circle Bar is where everyone gathers at the end of SHOT Show every night. And um, I think these conversations are so important so we don't feel alone. Absolutely. Well said. Well said. Len Holt said, great show. I agree. You guys were awesome. Everyone's uh, clapping and cheering for you guys. Thanks so much for coming on. We're out of here, guys. We'll see you. Peace.